are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Monday, August 16, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and today's episode is brought to you by Locked On's live fantasy show. Have fantasy football questions you need answered before your draft. Don't miss Locked On Fantasy Live on Wednesday, August 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern, streaming on the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. Our stable of fantasy experts will answer your questions live or submit them ahead of time to at Locked On Network on Twitter. Obviously, we're back in the saddle after Saturday's preseason game. Was at Soldier Field, had a chance to see the Dolphins live, in person, evaluation season, just like each and every one of you. And um, there's a lot of good, a lot of exciting, uh, some frustrating, and some bad. There, There's kind of, you got the full spectrum on Saturday against the Chicago Bears. Uh, obviously, I think the number one takeaway that I had uh, watching this game was if this was a game for keeps, I think the way that the Dolphins coaching staff, uh, just from a schematics perspective, the way they would have handled a lot of things would have looked a little different. Uh, it felt like they got in a lot of third and five plus, and it was literally just press, cover one man, be better than the guy across from you. Uh, I think they get down inside the red zone and their opportunities to score. You want to see situational football, not too dissimilar to how I know everybody remembers how frustrating it was last year in week three when you're trying to run the ball against Jacksonville and close out the game and you keep going three and out because you can't run the ball with any level of consistency. Like, I think they're trying to get those kinds of reps, and I think that's that's why some of the frustrations that a lot of fans had with the way the game trended down the stretch, um, remember that it's an exhibition game, and, and you're trying to win, but you're trying to win without showing too much of your hand. Like Chicago and the, the, the touchdown pass Justin Fields had with the Y leak uh, was a great throw. Great play design. Obviously, the tight end, Jesse James, uncovers is wide open. I don't know that I would have wanted to put that on film in day one or game one of the preseason. So I, I, I would say the end result and especially some of the frustrations with the flow of the game, I'm not going to harbor too much ill will against. Now, if we get into New England and we get into Buffalo and these things still exist, then yes, we're, we're going to be extremely frustrated. Obviously, everybody's going to want to talk about Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, he had himself a really nice day until his last play of the game. And I would kill to not have to deal with this week with Tua in the interception. And, and the timeline yesterday on Sunday was pretty up and down and but I think a lot of people took that entire body of work at face value and there was a lot of things to to get excited about you know the second down pass uh, his his first pass attempt of the game the incompletion of Shaheen uh, was on time in rhythm hit him on the hands 
You'd expect Shaheen to come down with that ball. He had a throwaway on third down when they first take the three and out. Showed good mobility, completed seven straight passes to end the first quarter. And then just, like, I don't know. The assignment of blame on the interception, Shaheen's got to come back down to the ball. It's first down. But Tua's also late over the middle of the field. And Tua took responsibility for that himself when he got into the press conference after the game. He says, yeah, you know, you can't be late over the middle. And especially if you're not going to drive the ball. I thought from an arm strength perspective, um, it was fine. Tua's never going to have a cannon. He's never going to have an arm that the ball just explodes off his hand. But when you can throw with anticipation and he's throwing deep out to the open side of the field and it's on target and it's timely and it gets, it's where it's supposed to be, the arm strength looks better than last year. Uh, I, I know some people question Omar Kelly was, was talking about arm strength over the weekend. And I, I generally agree with the principle that Omar is introducing and in that Tua that is an accuracy and anticipation thrower. He's not a cannon, rip it, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert type thrower. And that's fine because, like, group of buckets that he's in from an arm strength perspective. It's like the Drew Brees of the world. And back when he was healthy, the Chad Penningtons of the world, like you can win with those guys. And obviously there's two very different spectrums of what winning looks like with those guys. But like there's a recipe for success there with that. And uh, I definitely think the, the physical improvements that Tua made was still evident with me seeing him a week later in camp, which is good uh, because you are monitoring fatigue and you know arm fatigue specifically, and if the, the ball uh, loses a little bit of its luster as training camp goes on, this process is still long. There's still lots to get into. Uh, but at the very least, uh, separated by nine days with additional throwing, uh, I'm still really optimistic about the, the arm strength itself with Tua and he was in a rhythm until the last play of the game. I, I really don't know. Um, from an X's and O's perspective, it looked like they started with single high and ended up in cover two and just missed the backside safety altogether. Um, and he said he, Shaheen looked wide open, uh, but the timeliness and obviously his eyes moving through his reads and progressions. And um, if that's something that you hit, your back foot on the ground on your drop and the ball's out immediately, you could probably slot it. But it didn't happen this time. So live and learn. Get better. To a tongue below, the offense obviously were without every receiver. I think they're being overly cautious uh, with some of these guys. Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, obviously Preston Williams with the, the foot recovery. That timetable is a little bit more murky, and Will Fuller is a little bit more concerning because he's been out since day one of camp. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what, what their health status ends up being. But I think I would have been willing to bet that if it was a real live game, half of those guys could have played. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way for you to get in on all of your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. RIP to the last place Nationals, by the way. 
enemies of the pod. You hate to see it. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NFL, UFC, and more. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So that was some of the good and the frustrating. Uh, the, the the flow of the game, obviously, you jump out to this big 13-0 lead. You give up 20 straight points. Uh, two is vibing as a thrower, and then has a, a poor mistake to end his game. The offensive line. This is obviously one of those areas of focus that everybody is talking about, is going to continue to talk about. Uh, Austin Jackson was a problem. And I'm sitting there at the game. And anytime there's opposing color flashing in the backfield, it's 73. Too many plays, he ends up on the ground. He's put on his butt. Uh, he's getting to his spots and then just like not finishing the play. So that, for me, was really the frustrating part about it. But uh, I believe he was credited with a pressure allowed on one out of every four snaps that he took throughout the game. And it is a massive indictment that Austin Jackson played the entire first half of this football game. There were three Dolphins players, as a matter of fact, who spent significant time on the field, much more so than the rest of the starters. You get to the end of the game, you release the snap counts. Austin Jackson played 41 snaps in this football game. Adam Pankey was the only member of the Miami Dolphins to take more snaps then Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Solomon Kinley. Hunt was great. Hunt was as advertised. I think there was uh, really only one or two plays that in real time popped to me. Um, but Austin Jackson was problematic, and the fact that he played the entire first half tells you this coaching staff knows you need the reps, big guy. And boy, does he need the reps because he was woefully bad in just about every facet of the game. So when we talk about the rookie class and identifying small steps forward, intermediate steps forward, and large steps forward, because that is the scale and spectrum we should be expecting to see growth from rookies, Austin Jackson never played it as batting in two days of camp than what I saw on Saturday against the Bears. But if that's what you're going to do on game day, then this is not even a small step forward. This is going to be a regression. That's a major red flag. You got to light a fire under Austin Jackson's butt. How you do that, 
When Liam Eikenberg's ready to come back, the first thing I'd do is I'd start giving him a couple of snaps at left tackle. See if maybe the threat of of somebody else who's a young investment on the team pushing you. Because, listen, Austin Jackson came into camp and he was like one of two offensive linemen who had no legitimate threat to potentially push him out of the starting lineup. I don't care if he's the number 18 overall pick. He's got to play better, and he's got to be motivated to play better, and the way you do that is you get somebody in there that could take his job. I personally thought for the majority of the guys on the line, uh, the pass blocking was fair, uh, at least amongst the starting group. The run blocking, and obviously when you get down inside the five-yard line, when a little bit of a round of applause, Mike broke a tackle, got some yak, good for him. That's obviously been a sore spot for him over the first three years of his career in the NFL and uh, had a nice explosive play, the the 50-yard gainer. Um, I think that was, as I said at the top of the show, something that you want to run the ball when you have to run the ball. In a game situation, I don't think there's any way they call plays to that degree when the left side of the line is getting their for lack of a better phrase, ass kicked to the way that the Dolphins' offensive line got their butt kicked and was playing on the wrong side of the line of scrimmage in short yardage situations. Game situation, you you identify that, you recognize that, and we've talked about this roster construction the way that it's built, and it's going to be predicated around balance. It's not going to be a team that can just smash it out, down after down after down after down. Little rollout, little bootleg, little split flow, play action, all that kind of stuff. But why Why are you going to afford that in the first preseason game when you can literally just evaluate, okay, let's see how we do. So, as far as the running game goes, super optimistic about what Savan Ahmed showed throughout the course of the game. He got some juice. Uh, obviously, the, the big question was... Um, the Miles Gaskin split, and I know the fantasy football community saw the the carries that Malcolm Brown got early on and got pretty excited about that. Uh, he obviously took 16 snaps. He got a lot of a lot of the, the touches down in, in the short yardage scenario. But how about Limbowden Jr., 37 snaps, and he's listed on the snap count summary as a running back. Imagine that. We just got done talking about when we did the 53-man roster show how if Miami's going to find the way to keep Lynn Bowden Jr. in the mix amongst this group of wide receivers, you classify him as the running back, you put him as RB4 on the depth chart, and he's effectively a gadget player who you can line up in the slot, but you can also line up in the backfield or as a wildcat option. Done! Seems like somebody got the memo. Terrific. He had himself a nice game. He He didn't do anything incredibly above and beyond the call of duty, right? But at the same time, he was targeted five times. He caught four balls for 47 yards. Had a couple of nice hands, catches, uh, worked the middle of the field. It's the kind of showing he needed to, to inject a little bit of optimism about what he can become. So that's, the, uh, the, the, that's kind of the surface-level observations for me on the offensive side of the ball. From here, obviously, they have... Atlanta next. They got joint practice this week. We'll probably see Tua play a half of football along with the, the starting offense. I would expect this is probably going to be the dress rehearsal and they'll use uh, the third game against Cincinnati as the evaluation window 
Only other observation I did want to make sure I mentioned was Waddle. Uh, obviously did not catch the football in this game. I was thrilled to see him handle the punt and the electricity that he had as an athlete. Like you blinked and you missed him as far as short area quickness and agility and seeing it in real time. and Nothing you didn't already know about Jalen Waddle. Am I worried that he didn't catch a ball? No, because at the end of the day, a lot of the, the throwing concepts I saw this team working on in camp when I was in attendance were not necessarily the kinds of passing concepts that we are. It felt like the Chan Gailey offense a little bit. Obviously, they had the explosive play to Gusecki. But as that game wore on, it's like, man, this, this doesn't feel like some of the new stuff. And I think that's a good thing. Show what you've always shown. Don't get overly creative. Don't give New England anything to study on film that's going to tip them off to what your, your money-making concepts are. So am I concerned Waddle didn't catch the ball? No. Would I like to see Waddle be more involved when you do the dress rehearsal and presumably week two against Atlanta? Yes. And I think he will. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you've been listening to Locked On Dolphins for any stretch of time, you know this is a top of the first round protein bar. This is not like chewing on the sole of your shoe, tough leather, brittle consistency. No, these things are like three musketeers, Snickers. They got nine different flavors to choose from with 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. And they're also high in protein and fiber while simultaneously being low in calories and low in sugar. Right now, you can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit rockauto.com for all of your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Defensively in this game, um, obviously Jalen Phillips didn't dress, Emmanuel Ogba didn't dress, Avian Howard didn't dress, Byron Jones didn't dress, Brandon Jones didn't dress. About half the starters didn't play. And yet Chicago did not get a first down until the final minute of the first half. And that was because Justin Fields in a two-minute situation started using his legs. Which, by the way, if again, if we were in a game situation, I think that you, you throw uh, some more nuanced things at Justin Fields and he doesn't kill you with his legs to the degree in which he did down the stretch for Miami. Obviously, you'd be hopeful that that would be the case, too, considering that if the Dolphins have trouble with Justin Fields, you think about mobile quarterbacks like Josh Allen in Buffalo, who's always given Miami a hard time, 
that has the threat to be a continuation of a swore spot for the defense since forever. Um, so I'm trying not to read too much into the fact that Fields had so much success with his legs because it was a preseason game, and they, they did seem to. Uh, they ran a lot of too high in the early downs, and then they got to third and long, and they would just put the high safety up. They'd go press across the board and, and press you and, and dare you to beat them. And some of these corners, man, Justin Coleman I thought had a nice game. Nick Nino had a phenomenal game. I'm not ready to officially file the petition and apology letter to Nick Neenum just yet. But he's getting damn close because he played really good on Saturday against the Bears. And if he ends up being the nickel, so be it. I, I do think Justin Coleman probably has a little bit of an advantage over him still because he is a little bit more A, experienced. Uh, he's a little bit more dynamic as an athlete than what Needham is. Uh, but Nick looked really good. He was physical in the slot, had two really good contested uh, passes, uh, but even still, without both of your starting corners, your third safety, and your top two pass rushers, because um, I know that was something that that some fans expressed some concern on social media was after the game was like, man, he couldn't get any pass rush going. Well, yeah, your number one overall pick and your leading sack getter from last year didn't play. And even still, I thought they dictated the line of scrimmage against Chicago's first team offense, and in the first half of that game, incredibly well they were up 13 nothing they were smothering uh chicago like i said did not get a first down until 50 seconds left in the first half didn't get a first down so that was kind of what the expectation was knowing where chicago's health was on their own respective offensive line and i thought they delivered on that front i thought the front seven had a really nice game i thought Bernard mckinney was really physical in the run game and he did really well uh, they flew around. They were physical. Uh, it was some of the guys on the depth options that I thought stood out the most to me as as far as takeaways. Uh, Noe Benogany, every, of course, everybody's got the microscope on him as a former first-round pick. and uh, He was tied for the most defensive snaps taken of anybody on the defensive side of the ball with uh, – 33, excuse me, Duke Riley took more snaps. Duke Riley took 85% of the defensive snaps. Igbenogany and Javon Holland both played 33. And Igbenogany was a mixed bag, as he seemingly always is. Uh, physically speaking, he could physically stay with anybody the Bears put on the field. No, Allen Robinson didn't play, so that, that would have been a different story. But uh, he also wouldn't have been responsible for that assignment, given... Howard and Jones would have played in a real game. So he gave up the big play down the field because he did not look back for the ball. And that is something that is kind of the next step for him that you're really seeing is there's no reaction when the hands from a receiver go up. You have to react and get your eyes back and find the football. That was a big thing for Byron Jones in Dallas for a really long time as a corner, and that's how you play five years at a really high level, and you managed to get two interceptions in five years, and one of those came while you were playing free safety. So that's kind of, as he continues to grow and evolve, it seems like from a coverage perspective, he's a little stickier, and now it's just okay. Quarterbacks are going to throw it at the back of your helmet until you prove you can get your eyes back and find the ball. But I thought he ran well. I thought in coverage he was effective. 
It's just a matter of now avoiding the catch point issues that are going to concede big plays until you prove otherwise. So that was one standout on the defensive side of the ball. I liked seeing Holland in the game as late as he was uh, and obviously taking effectively two-thirds of the defensive snaps for the only reason really being that getting him reps in communication at free safety where he's making calls and relaying things to the defense and getting those mental reps against another team in a game simulation, uh, I think that's really going to help this transition for him, and it's really going to help get him up to speed. So obviously you don't want to lose players of value early in the season due to injury in an exhibition setting, but for Javon Holland with how complex the Dolphins' defense is going to be when you're in real games, getting him comfortable with that flow of communication across the back end of the defense I think is necessary, and the Dolphins made that a point of emphasis. So that was good. I was pleased to see Holland out there. I thought he played good as well. How about a little love for Trill Williams? Uh, Trill, obviously, DB wearing 51. It's a little concerning, right? The football gods are not going to be pleased from that perspective because aesthetically pleasing. It's uh, not going to be a sustainable model of success for Trill Williams. But if you missed it, Trill uh, had himself a little bit of a viral moment after the game, there was a clip shared of him playing press coverage, and he absolutely shelled a receiver on the outside. And he quote tweeted the, the, the clip and said, bring your kids to work day. <laughs> I'm just bullying this receiver in press coverage where he like, he literally, his press punch literally knocks the guy head over heels on his ass. It was excellent. Tremendous. Completely wiped him out of the play. So that kind of physicality with consistency is how you force the team to reconsider their active roster distribution with the cuts, which, by the way, uh, we have this week uh, the in, one of the initial waves of cuts. It's only you got to get to 85 uh, so there's going to be a, a, a slight trim on the roster this week, so something to be mindful of. It's one of the unfortunate byproducts of the preseason and and the football business in general is you get a lot of guys that end up losing jobs in a very short amount of time. So I'm encouraged from an evaluation perspective on a number of fronts. I think there are plenty of logical explanations for why certain things that we probably didn't like the end result of from Saturday uh, can be explained. But the offensive line is one that now, especially, you know, if, if it's Solomon Kinley and Liam Eikenberg and you got to figure that out, that's one thing. But if Austin Jackson's going to struggle to this degree, it's something differently altogether, in which case I would be exploring veteran options to make sure that my combination of best five is not dependent at all upon a guy being in that five just because he's a former first-round pick. So we'll see what happens from here. Obviously, there's still time 
for improvement. There's still time for additional competition and, and veteran players to be added. You're not going to find a lot of quality. You'd ideally probably like to, to secure a trade and bring somebody in. And if they stand pat, then they're betting on themselves and their coaching and their player valuation uh, to a very high degree. And we'll see what that looks like if that's the route the Dolphins choose to take. So uh, let's get excited. We get another week of evaluation ahead of us, another week of joint practices. We're home this week against the Falcons. And uh, we don't have to wait too long for more Dolphins football. It's right on the doorstep. And that's the exciting thing is, is to see these evaluation periods now between now and the end of the preseason. Like, they're going to flow together pretty quick. Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed this Monday episode of the show. Tried to get as many of my thoughts and observations. Obviously, the game on Saturday. Uh, but just kind of letting everything settle. I was traveling last night, which is why th this show is up a few hours later than normal. Um, but it is up quite early on a Monday morning. It's 5 a.m. I'm recording at 5 a.m. Uh, so we'll be back with another episode of Locked On Dolphins tomorrow. We'll react to any cuts that are made known between now and then. And we also have Power to the Pod, so make sure you submit your questions and hot takes to Locked On Fins. And tomorrow on the show, we're going to be announcing the winner of the Dolphins Challenge Cancer Fantasy Football giveaway as well. Come on back and see us. Fins up. Thanks for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins.